0: You are listening to The Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings.
1: Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing in honor of God's word, everybody. Here we go. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All right. Just as I said, we're going to give a little recap. Okay. I hope that's fine. Earlier in our study of Matthew, we found out that one of Matthew's messages was this, that Jesus, is the new Moses. You remember that session that Jesus is the new Moses. But you know what? For all of us, this might be one of those acceptable universal truths, like you know, saying that Brother Bo is pogi. You know, the world already knows that. <laughs> but to the Jews, you know, saying that Jesus is the new Moses, it was a new thing to them, it was a really big deal, actually, to them. And and you know what? To press on on this point, Matthew did something very brilliant, he divided the teachings of Jesus. Jesus to five parts to parallel the five teachings of Moses which are all found in the Old Testament by the way namely Genesis Leviticus Exodus numbers and Deuteronomy okay Moses authored all of these books now let's show let's let me show you a table re- real quick okay as you can see the first chunk is found in Matthew chapters four to seven, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now the second part is found in Matthew chapter eight to 10, where Matthew documents the Sermon on the Mount in action. Okay, the third part is found in chapters 11 to 13, where Matthew shows the different responses to Jesus that was mirrored in his parables. This is what we previously talked about last series, right? The fourth chunk, this is where we are now, is chapters 14 to 20, where we're going to study the different expectations of people about God's kingdom. I pray that you're gonna be blessed by this. And then after this, we're going to enter into the fifth part, chapters 21 to 25, which we'll find out about the clash of kingdoms. Okay, so this puts us up up to speed with where we are right now. But today, you're in for a treat because we're gonna launch a new series. And take note that the title is not your usual title, okay? In fact, you might scratch your head for a moment when, when you hear it. Check this out, here's the title. Side A, Side B. That's it, Side A, Side B. And this is particularly funny to me because you know when I was a Boy Scout, whenever we would go camping for days, you know, jamborees or regular camping, side A and side B was a term that you used when you forgot to bring extra underwear. So what you do is you wear side A on the first day, and then the next day you wear side B, okay? But you know what, that's not all. The other concept of side A and side B, the more wholesome one, is something that you know uh, older people will only get. How many of you can tell me what this is? Let's show the picture. Type your answer below. Go ahead, what, what what is that thing? Okay, congratulations, because you just completely revealed your age. Everybody who got it right, okay? Honestly, I just saw this in a documentary before. In fact, I had to Google what that was, okay? <laughs> but these are not okay these are not actually the reasons why we 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 named the title side a and side b we call it side a and side b simply because in this series we will talk about two things side by side For example, we'll talk about two stories and two kingdoms, two kings, two types of parties. So we want you to journey with us in the next few weeks as we dive into this series, okay? In fact, the message that we want to preach to you today, it's so good. Everybody type in, it's so good. It is so good. In fact, I believe that this will resonate with every Filipino out there. Why? Because we live with a culture of hospitality. You know, when you're in the province and you don't know anybody, people will just open their doors to you, even if you're just a stranger, and then they will give you this invite. Are you ready for this? I want you to help me preach this to all of our attendees by typing our message. Here it is, come and eat. There you go, it's an invitation, come and eat. In fact, I believe that this is the same message that Jesus has been preaching since we studied Matthew. How many of you are hungry right now? Are you thirsty? Not necessarily for temporary food that will just make you hungry as you consume it, but are you hungry for nourishment that can satisfy all your desires? Jesus is inviting you to a buffet today and he's saying, come and eat, my child. Welcome to my feast. So I want you to ready your utensils, okay? By that, I mean your pens, your minds, and your heart, because we're gonna go deep and dig into some serious spiritual sustenance, okay? If you're ready, I want you to type this in right now. Let's bring out the food. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're going to study and we're gonna tackle two Bible stories right now, okay? We'll talk about the beheading of John the Baptist, and then we will talk about the multiplication of the loads. Now, quick warning. Parents, I am not going to mince my words right now, but parental guidance is a must for our first story. In fact, if you've got minors with you, that also includes immature people as well. <laughs> you can remove them for, 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 from the room for a moment, because I wanna tell you that we've got a wholesome, awesome kids session after this. Go just visit our FB page for more details, but you can direct your kids to that page afterwards, okay? And you'll know why in a moment. Anyway, here is the story that Matthew Matthew tells us. In, go, go to Matthew chapter 14, and then we're gonna talk about the death of John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1, and it says, When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist, raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. John had been telling Herod, It is against God's law for you to marry her. So Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed that John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. And so at her mother's urging, the girl said, this is where it gets really graphic, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray verse 9 then the king regretted what he had said but because of the vow he made in front of his guests he issued the necessary orders be very careful about the promises that you make in public sometimes we do it in order to impress people remember that promises are meant to be kept not meant to be broken verse 10 so john was beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Can you imagine that? Verse 12, Later John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. I told you, I wasn't mincing my words, right? But I'm sure i'm sure that this is not at all disturbing to all the horror movie buffs out there see here's the problem sometimes when you're so used to the problem to the violence with all the stuff that you watch you know i used to watch horror films non-stop 24 7. that was my staple choice for movies but it got to a point where i'm watching movies where people are slicing stomachs you know blood flying everywhere and intestines falling out here and there. And you know what I'm doing? I'm popping popcorn in my mouth in sheer excitement. See, don't get to a point where your life is so desensitized by the horrors of the world that it no longer affects you. That's why I stopped watching horror movies actually. Because that's what evil does to you. Did you know that? That evil numbs your conscience. When you're exposed to evil so much, you don't recognize anymore right from wrong. You think that, for example, it's okay to pocket a little something from here and there, because why? Everybody else is doing it. But what's really happening underneath is that you're prostituting your life to evil and your moral values are being reduced to a mere amusement. I mean, take a look at this story. People at this royal party thought that the severed head was entertainment. That's what happens when you're exposed to evil again and again, Be, be very careful. But anyway, here's what happens, okay? In verse three, here's how Jesus responds to the news that he hears. Uh, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. See, Jesus was absolutely shaken by this news. Why? Because he loved his cousin, John the Baptist, very much. But John, he wasn't just family. John was also God's child. John was God's loving creation. This is where we see the humanity of God through Jesus Christ. God is someone who who feels and hears the pain of every person. Did you know this? That God knotted every fiber of your being in your mother's womb. That's why God values everything and everyone that he ever created. That's why if a person gets damaged or gets hurt or gets killed or gets injured, God, our Creator, He feels it too. But let me tell you this one valuable thing that I found in this story, okay? Listen to this. In His grief, Jesus did one thing that I believe that we all need to do whenever we come across deep emotional pain. What did Jesus do? He went to be alone with His Father. He went to cry out his anguish to the Lord. See, that's what you need to do. When you are in deep emotional pain, go to God, my dear friend. Don't wallow in your self-pity. Don't wallow in substances that you think will remove the pain, but in reality, it just really numbs it and then even just delays the pain. But let God weep with you and let Him heal your grief little by little, slowly. Let your worry Let your weeping become your worship. Let your sobs be a song that will lift you out from out of that pit. Amen, somebody. Question, so did Jesus succeed in his supposed planned retreat? Not really, because Matthew gives us the continuation of verse 13. He says, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. See, some of the paparazzis gave away Jesus' location and then they tweeted it to everybody. So imagine this, Jesus in his intense emotional agony, sitting on a boat with his disciples, going to a secluded place where he could pray and be left alone, but, while they were just a few hundred meters away from the shore, Jesus sees this large crowd, like a welcome committee, throngs of various people jumping up and down because the person that they've been waiting for was finally in front of them. So could it be possible, just think about this, that the apostles might have whispered to Jesus, Master, I think we need to book a different venue because this one is full of people. Do you want to go to Tagaytay instead? We heard that there are tons of secluded retreat places there. We could go to Tagaytay, Father. Would you like to go there, Jesus? Did Jesus do it? No. Because what we find in verse 14 says this. Jesus did the exact opposite, opposite. Let me read it. Verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and... He had compassion on them and healed their sick. I absolutely love that. This is the compassion of the God that we love and the God that we follow. See, this is the reason why Jesus wept for Lazarus. Even if he knew that he could raise Lazarus from the dead, this is the reason why Jesus wept for John the Baptist, even if he knew that he was gonna see John up there in heaven. See, Jesus is always aware of the pain around him. He's always aware of what others are going through. Why? Because Jesus is compassionate compassionate means to be moved to your bowels to be moved to the innermost part of your being the word compassion can also be sliced into two words calm and passion calm simply means with while passion means to suffer so if you combine that word compassion in a literal sense means to feel the suffering of somebody else jesus was already in pain i mean he just lost a loved one but when he saw others who were also in pain he didn't hesitate to do something about it how do you know when your compassion is real here's the answer it's when you're already suffering but you don't hesitate to help others who are also suffering okay call me a sentimental fool my dear friends but i find so much comfort in knowing that the god the universe the one who created the heavens and the earth the one who fashioned the mountains and the trees and every other living thing out there this supreme all-knowing all-powerful all-loving being not only knows my name but he also knows my pain God has compassion for me and I praise God for that I say hallelujah for that how about you amen somebody my friend are you in pain At this moment, the invitation is that come, eat, and partake in this feast that Jesus has lovingly prepared for you. Amen. Come and eat. That's our message for today. Let's pray in in order to close this word today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for breathing life into us. May this word continue to minister us the rest of the day and the week and the month. Amen. Let's sing in honor of God's word, everybody. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Please welcome everybody from the other side of the world, Brother Bo Sanchez.
0: Come and eat. I am making you hungry right now, but I hope You have patience because you will be spiritually rewarded. We are, oh, by the way, my name is Bo Sanchez and welcome to the feast. And I'm so happy you're making me part of your home. We're going to read a Bible story that you, my guests, have read and, and heard hundreds upon hundreds of times. But I want you to listen with fresh ears. I repeat, you will be spiritually rewarded like crazy. That's a promise. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Yes, it's the multiplication of the loaves. You've heard this. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Remote place equals desert wilderness. Matthew was connecting this to something that happened more than a thousand years ago, God in the desert also feeding people, manna. And by connecting to this story, to that story, Matthew was saying Jesus is more than just the new Moses, Jesus is God because he's the one feeding now the people in that desert. The apostle said, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Are you going through a trial right now, a problem, facing a crisis? Don't face it with just your resources. That's why you're discouraged. That's why you're disappointed. That's why you're scared. Face every trial that you're going through, every need that you're going through, every impossible situation that you're going through. Face it with God's resources because you have access to that. I can go on and on, but I have to go on uh, and, and read. But we have only five loaves and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, Jesus said, Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, blessed them, and then breaking the loaves into pieces, he he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. Then all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. My estimate would be a ballpark figure of about 12,000 people. You've got 5,000 men, then women and children. Okay, maybe about 12,000 plus plus. Um, that's a lot of pandesal and a lot of salted dilapia. And, and wow, By oh, man, that's amazing. So when people read this story, just, you know, like the story alone, uh, people just focus on the, how astounding the miracle was, how great it is, and, and rightly so. But if you read it in context connecting the gory story of the beheading of John the Baptist and this miracle story, the multiplication of the loaves, if you connect them, profound messages come out and I'm going to shape them into question form. And I'm going to ask four questions. If you did not read in context, then you wouldn't miss all these questions and all these messages. But because we read them in context, and that's that's amazing that we're just inviting you to keep on doing that. What's question number one? Are you ready? Penetrating question number one who is your king? Because Matthew just presented two kings, King Herod, King Jesus, one utterly selfish, the other utterly selfless. One king chops the head of someone else for the entertainment of his guests. The other king breaks bread, a symbol of his body, to feed humanity because this miracle story is Eucharistic. The same formula that was used in the Last Supper, the First Mass, is, is the same formula used here. Blessed, broken, given away. You know, during the time of uh, this gospel was written, house churches were already every week celebrating the breaking of the bread. And the question that Matthew is asking is this, who is your king? Who will you follow? And, and therefore, what kind of life will you live? Um, I, I can just go on but move. Move to question number two. What party will you join? Again, Matthew presents two parties. The first one is the obscene royal party that's drunk with power and pride. These political figures gathered together, poisoned by, by their own insecurity and, and murder. And then you've got this other party hosted by Jesus in the desert, feeding the poor, the sick, the broken, the wounded, the outcast, the sinner the real kings and queens of the kingdom. And every single day, you will have to choose what party will you join. (laughs) Question number three. I love this. This is deep. Will you sacrifice everything? Will you? uh, The apostles told Jesus, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, note that this is only they had. Why? This is their baon. This is their packed lunch. This is for the 12 dudes, the 12 guys, the 12 apostles. This is for us. But Jesus said, bring bring it over here. The the food for 12 will become for 12,000. Amazing, right? And, and when you follow Jesus, you're, it's not a promise to, okay, I'll go to church on Sunday. Okay, I'll pray, you know, every day. Okay, I'll read about. It's not a promise for that. If you follow Jesus, it's a promise to give everything to the king and to tell the king, you're selfless. You want me to be selfless. On my own, I can't do that. But because I follow you, you're going to empower me and you're going to help me to, to give everything. And when you give everything, he multiplies your offering. (sighs) Number four, last, will you give what is given to you? Because Matthew, he he brings out this, this detail. He said, Jesus, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. I love that. I love it. This is the distribution method of Jesus. That that in the first party, um, they were so insecure that they held on to their power and were willing to kill for, for holding on to their power. In the second party, whatever they received, they passed on and distributed. My dear friend, you are his distribution method. He's chosen you. And people will taste God's love through you. That's his plan. Um, I'm going to ask you again, are you hungry? Are you hungry? If you are, and if you're really hungry for purpose and meaning and love and joy and peace, then come and eat, Jesus says. Come to me. And because when, when you eat in my party and you receive me as your nourishment, your life will change forever. Let me insert a short, short sharing here. You know, the feast. I always tell people it's hundreds upon hundreds of places now in, in 26 countries. And they are really run by volunteers. We've got volunteers. We've got one volunteer. I think I shared this already with you, where we've got, we're, we've got one volunteer in the province who's, who's built 56 small feasts, you know, for young people and for prisoners and for, he's, he's just, but, but he's not alone. We've got so many volunteers. The reason why the feasts are multiplying is because we've got people who've said, I'm going to, I'm taking this seriously. I'm going to share what I received. I'm going to give away. And the reason why the feast is the feast spreading all over and multiplying all over, feeding the multitudes is because there are people who are following King Jesus in his selflessness. They're not being paid. They're just, doing whatever they can. And right now in your life, you've got to make that decision. Will you follow King Jesus? Will you join the party of Jesus? Will you give? (laughs) Will you give what is given to you? Will you sacrifice everything? Come and eat. And then distribute the love of God to the people around you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com podcast.